Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 17. Still technically we are in the upper room or what is called the upper room discourse, although we're moving out. We left the upper room in 14. Um, Last week we began chapter 17, which is one of the most amazing texts in the Bible. Uh, It's indeed really the Lord's prayer. It's the longest prayer in the Bible uh, where we get to see recorded on paper the spoken words of a prayer that Jesus, the Son of God, makes to the Father. And he prays first for himself. And if you remember, really, it's, um, it, it's, it's an amazing definition of salvation or eternal life. Because really, it's life eternal, and all of us are going to live for eternity because we're spirits in a body, not bodies with a spirit. So the spirit is first. It's about the spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. We serve a spiritual God. Our spirit is what's being reconciled to God, even though in sanctification, it's body, soul, and spirit that's being sanctified. But what I, my point really is, is that he gives this definition for us in 17.3 when he was praying for himself. Notice he prays for himself. Then he prays for uh, those disciples with him, which I believe if you and I are disciples, he's praying for us and we can uh, allow this to be for us. And then he prays for future believers which by God's grace we'll get to next week. But this week we're going to look at just his prayer for the disciples and some of the content that he would lay out for us. Uh, But eternal life, life eternal is 17.3. And this is King James, life eternal that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So salvation is not a one-time prayer. Salvation is a life of knowing. Just like true marriage is not a one-time, I said, I will, I do. But it's a lifetime. A marriage is a commitment of trust. The word know, to know, is gnoskos. It's It's a marriage ceremony of intimacy where you're coming to know. You, you know, you're learning to know, you're growing to know, and that marriage keeps going, although right now we're just betrothed to Christ. If you wish to get all the way to Romans 10, 9, and 10, that is a marriage ceremony. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Both people standing at the same place, both agreeing to the same set of circumstances, both saying, I will. That's a marriage. The problem is, is that God is perfectly faithful, always does what he said he's going to do. You and I are learning to be faithful. It's a fruit of the spirit. We're learning what his word says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We're learning what the will of the Lord is that we said we agreed to because our flesh did not know that because our eyes were closed And spiritually, God opens them when we begin this race, when we say that we believe and we trust. 
Very important to know that because so many people, listen, they're being duped out of salvation because this is a betrothal period where you're preparing for the wedding supper. You're preparing for the finality of that marriage where it's consummated in heaven. Listen to me because it's so important. But if you already think you're finished, you're doing nothing else to prepare for the wedding. You're doing nothing else to prepare to be glorified, the finish line. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You're not walking with the Holy Spirit. You're not, you're not being conformed to the image of the living God and being prepared to walk down that aisle in reality. See, because positionally salvation is there, but practically we're preparing. So the Holy Spirit, when the Father come, listen, this is so amazing. <laughs> it's in the text. The father comes and brings the son to the bride's house, right? This is, this is what would happen in Galilee. And the father would say, here is one of, the, here is one of mine. It's in the text. Here is one of mine. And the, would you marry my son? And then if they say yes, then the Holy Spirit is given, which is the down payment, right? It, it, it's the dowry. And then the dowry is to be used to prepare the bride for the consummation for that final week. Listen, it's very important to understand this, that we have to understand that all of the analogies of the Bible, all of the types, everything follows perfectly with life. But yet our salvation that we have and what we've been duped into following in culturality does not follow the rest of the analogy. It's like, oh, I'm done, one and done, I can go have fun. No, don't fall for the lie of the devil. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you and guarantees you salvation. But if you're truly saved, then there's going to be evidences because the Holy Spirit's going to take everything that is Jesus, is John 16, and present it to you and, and begin to lead you and give you a desire to want those things. It's impossible for the seed of God to be planted in the clay, the dirt of our hearts, and not to bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. It's impossible because God is not weak and anemic, and God has a plan of salvation, and He will see it to fruition. He will see the fruit, the produce, until the day of Christ Jesus. That's when we'll see it. So be sure, because many people, they'll say, oh, I'm just a little backslidden, or I'm just not a Jesus freak like you. No, wait a minute. Maybe you haven't front slid yet. Maybe you haven't truly believed because you're still hanging on to self and the world and Satan. You're hanging on to the things that you like instead of dying and following the example of the Lord and Savior who had everything and gave it all so that you and I could be redeemed by marriage through the kinsman redeemer and brought back to the Father. Listen, that's the whole plan. Free will choice that agents that are free will would love God because he first loved us. And what a, a miraculous plan. What an amazing mystery that's being unveiled to us, pun intended, the veil which you would take off as you consummate the finality and you kiss. Not like Judas who betrayed, but we kiss the face of God because we're surrendering. To his loving grace and favor. So that they may know you, the only true God, gnoskos, intimacy, and Jesus Christ whom you have sinned. God's provision for the sin nature. 
coming to know who this is, his example, how he walked, how he lived, what he did. And then as we come to verse 6, 17, 6, he says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but those are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for your truth. Speak to our hearts this morning and give us a desire to go and be your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, back in 6. Now, notice this again, because I like to bring this up a lot. Many people don't talk about it, but uh, it's not any verse. Six is the number of men, and it's six. And a lot of times when you look, if not all the time, in a certain eye, uh, you can see six, seven, and eight in the Bible, in the chapters, even as Dana was pointing out yesterday, if you look at Genesis, the beginning, the origins, chapter six, Everything evil in man's heart. Chapter 7, Noah. Chapter 8, Mount Ararat, a new beginning. You know, and, and, and it's always in the Bible because the number of man is six. Now look what six is. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours and you have given them to me and they have kept your word. This is, this is man's free will. The message is delivered to everybody. Every ear will hear it. And man's free will is to keep it. To have a desire for it. 
Now, if you get the rest of the Bible, you know you have no capacity, and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to do that in you, right? So notice that he's manifested it. And seven, I'm going to come back. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. Listen, God's provision. They see it in Christ. They announced it in 16, 29, and 30. Now we know that all things are from you, and we have no reason for anyone to question you. They know that he's from God. They know he's the Messiah. They know he's the provision for the sin nature. And then new beginning. Here's the new beginning. Don't miss it. Verse 8. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. Notice he's been sent. He's a perfect messenger, just like you and I have been sent. We're only to give the word of God to people. And they have received Lambano. They, they received it. They got their hands on it. And have known, Gnosko, surely that I came from you. And they have believed to entrust, to commit that you sent me. They believe he's the Messiah, 6, 7, and 8. It's all right there in the prayer. So now back in 6, Jesus praying, speaking to the Father, and, and listen, listen, we know that he's praying out loud so that they can hear him and you and I down the corridor of time because they have perfect union. They were one and you don't have to pray out loud for God to hear you. He knows your heart. You can just think it to him and you, you're in communion with him if you know him. If not, you have to do a prayer uh, of, of surrender and commitment. I believe I want to trust you. Show me your truth. Help me to hear your voice. Pour out your spirit upon me. So I have manifested, made clear, appeared. Let me get to my words here. Manifested, to render apparent, to declare, to show forth, to manifest or make visible, to make known. This is what Jesus did. Think about it. No one has seen God unless he die. But then in John 1.14, it says the word, well, 1.1, one, one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, right? And then it says in 1.14, and the word took flesh and dwelt among us. It's literally in the Greek, pitched his tent among us, a temporary tabernacle. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He comes down and he manifests himself. And then he chose these 12 and he, that, the Lord, that the Father gave him out of the world. And he manifested perfectly. He made it apparent what God was doing. And then the Spirit convicts them and they can receive it. But what did he do? I manifested your name. Listen, salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. But what's he doing? He's coming and following what he was sent to do. What was spoken by the Father to him, he perfectly follows that plan. And name is Onema. And it means anoma, I, I can't even pronounce it right, but it's Greek and it means his character. So Jesus has perfectly made apparent the character of God because he is the heart of God. Your nature, everything about his nature was in the person of Jesus. He was the express image of the living God. So his character, his nature, his will, his last will and testament, 
Jesus had to die so that the last will and testament could be enacted. And now we can actually have the inheritance from heaven. And his authority. Character, nature, will, and authority. That's in his name. That's everything about his name. And so he's perfectly walked it out. And, and we see his authority as he speaks over demons. He speaks and people are healed. Demons are cast out. So he has the authority and he perfectly manifested that he was God in the flesh. Hebraistically, in a Hebrew idiom the name is used for everything that the name covers everything the thought or the feeling of which is roused in the mind by mentioning or hearing or remembering the name it's everything that opens up and it's all contained in these 66 books by 40 authors of what god is doing in speaking creation, what he's, what he's doing and saving creation, what he's doing and bringing a bride back to him through the son, the kinsman redeemer into the family of God for eternity. And it's not just this one and done prayer, although it can be one, but then if that prayer is real, the Holy Spirit comes in and guarantees it, seals you, and begins to work on the inside, growing. Just like if you plant corn in a garden, and then it begins to grow, it's going to produce corn. So when Jesus' seed is planted in you, it's going to produce Fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's going to give you a desire to die because you know all things, because you have authority, because the character, nature, and the will of God is now in you. And what was that? To die so that others could come to life. That's what's going on. It's not just a, I said a prayer, now I get to go do whatever I want, live any way I want, and I'm in heaven. Woo-hoo, fire insurance. No, this is a dying gospel that gives you life. The very God who wrote the plan, the author and the finisher, had everything, didn't need anything, couldn't be changed by anyone, and he died as an example so that we would know how to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and He could lift us up to the highest place of authority on the planet. And when you understand these truths, you know that you have authority to go and speak to others. No matter what's going on in your life, you have authority in the spiritual realm to go and speak and bless others with the Word of God. And that's what Jesus has done. He manifested the character, the nature, the will, the authority to these men that were given to him, whom you have given to me out of the world. They were yours, and the Father, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Listen, listen, listen. This is the testimony of God. Listen, very important. Why were they the fathers? They were under judgment. Listen to me. And his plan is for them to be married back in after his son takes their judgment. But right now they're confined 
God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 17. That's the most important thing. So right now, they're the fathers confined under judgment, and he does not want us to die. His will is not for any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Change their mind. Not stay listening to the original lie that the devil gave to Eve and Adam. Upside down, see? In Christ, it's Christ in me. It's not even Adam. It's, it's flipped back upside right. Upside downward, I always say, and they always correct me. Upside down is enough instead of the word. Anyway, I'm from Kentucky. If you get what I mean, just hang on for the ride and live it out and enjoy the authority that's given to us by the word of God. But they were under judgment. And God has a plan. He's always had a plan. It's not plan B. This is the same plan so that he doesn't have to have a creation that was just doing what it was created to do. Oh, man, that's really crazy. How, look at that. Look how that mower mows the grass. That's insane. Look how well, that's what it was created to do. What you should say is when you can't get it started, look at that stupid mower. It won't go. That should be abnormal. Because if the Spirit of God is in us, we should be doing the works of the ministry and dying just as Jesus did because we have all the power, all the authority, the character and the nature of God is planted in us and it's growing up and it's got to get out. It can't be contained in flesh. It's contained in a temple where we're worshiping God at as we walk with Him daily. It's pretty powerful stuff. It blows me away and I just want to go, you might really got to get up there and say this stuff but it's beautiful. It's amazing. We're looking at the Son of God praying to the Father and revealing this, this, this enormous truth that's been hid until the fullness of time when He would come. And it's still being hid by men who will not surrender to the Holy Spirit and listen to what's being said. And then we go around and pretend and we follow pretenders and the spirit of Antichrist and we build little buildings and relics and, and, and religion. Instead of understanding, we've been set free. Set free. Completely free. For freedom's sake. Not because of anything we've done. Because he wants to give everybody the opportunity to repent. To change their mind. And sadly, so many hate him. So six, that's our opportunity. He says, you gave them to me. Just the father brings him to the bride and says, here's one for you. If they say yes, it's your, he's yours. She's yours. And then he testifies, they have kept your word. What did they do? They believed he was. Now we come to know you are the Christ, the Messiah of God. But what do they do? Peter, Peter says, you're the Christ, the living God, son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not tell you that, but my Father who is in heaven. And then what does Peter do? Puts both feet in his mouth and says, hold up, dude, hold up. We ain't going there to die. We're just going to, what are you talking about? And he begins to try to tell God what to do. That's the nature of man. That's the nature of 666. That's the nature of what we will do. Instead of surrendering and listening to his word, we begin to tell him what he can do in our life. 
well, you can do this, but I'm not going there. That's religion. That's rejection. That's insulting, quenching, grieving, and lying to the Holy Spirit of promise that's guaranteeing us to be conformed into the image, to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. But we begin. So we have to change our mind and realize we cannot tell God how to do these things in our lives. All we can do is abide in the vine and surrender and enjoy this great love that he's given us. They have kept my word and kept. It's, it's an amazing word. It means to watch, to guard from loss or injury by keeping your eye upon it, keeping your favor upon it. God favors us now, and then we put our favor back on him. We keep looking into heavenly places, not into earthly, so we can be entangled again. The first usage is with the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 17. What does he do? Oh, these things I have kept from my youth. But it's the word kept again to guard. And what are the commandments? He says, you know the commandments. And the commandments, what is it? It's in tole. It means a an authoritative prescription for your soul. And you're supposed to keep the authoritative prescription for your soul. And we're not faithful and we're not good at this. But is your heart turned toward doing this? Understanding that all you can do is die and then look toward the voice of God, to hear the voice of God, to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, and then ask for strength and energy and power and might and wisdom to obey what He says and to be what He's already declared you to be positionally. And as you practice it, it changes your whole desires and you're conformed into the image of the living God. And then we freely love him because he first loved us. Oh, there's nothing in us, believe me. And you're like, I don't even know. But the more you grow in the grace, you just go, I just know I love him because he first loved me because I deserve death. Not, not just to get close to hell and there's people worse than me. We all deserved death cast our spirit into eternity in darkness in hell in fire in torment and pain where there was the, the, the worm never dies it's a real place the fire is never quenched we all deserve that and we have this loving god who says no i'm gonna die for him i'm gonna take that for him So kept his word, his logos. And it means something said, including the thought. So it's not, it's not by law or religion, but it's the spirit of the law. It, it, it's the spirit because it, it we're free in the spirit to go out and understand what he said and then go out and know the word, but then in thought even what he was intending, the intent of the heart. The word gives us the entire intent of God's heart, his thoughts. And then as we look into this perfect law, it actually tells us the thoughts and intents of our heart. And we go, mine ain't like his. I better metanoia. I better repent and choose his opinion and begin to do what he's doing. Because anything other than doing what he's doing is the wrong highway. Listen, it's not a sometime thing. It's a surrender 
It, I mean, that's just all it is. It's a one-time marriage betrothal. And as we talked about last week, the only time you could actually break that, and it's pretty powerful. You can go read it if you want. The only time the Bible really tells you to be able to break that is during the betrothal period. That's how Joseph was going to put Mary away quietly because he was an honorable man. He was going to put her away quietly during the betrothal when he found out she was pregnant. But then when it was found that she was birthing the child by Holy Spirit, he believed God. He listened to God. He followed what God was saying, and he didn't put her away. And then he was blessed and honored to be able to raise the Son of God. Listen to me. And you never hear about him because it wasn't about him. So when you're hearing about people instead of Jesus, when people are being lifted up instead of Jesus, it's probably off track. It's probably off the rails because it's about lifting up Jesus. This is about Jesus. So we get to that place where it's not about us. It's about him. It's about the fruit that he produces in our lives. They have kept your word. They guarded it. They protected it. In fact, the word Jesus declares he is the word. God says he sent the word to heal the land. He's the living word. Seven. If you receive the manifestation if you receive that it's his name if you receive and accept and confess and say yes i want to be married now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you everything every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights james says camel knees Every good. And known here again is gnoskos. It's to come to know. It's to know absolutely. It's to understand, to be sure of. John writes later over in 1 John 5, 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know and continue to believe in the Son of God. That's pissed us. It's a, it's a continuation of faith, not a one-time belief. It's a continuation, a constancy in walking by faith. The just shall live by faith, following the author and the finisher of our faith. Because why? My sheep hear my word, hear my voice. I know them, that's marriage. We are coming to know him, gnoskos, intimacy, and they follow me. It's an amazing walk, a long walk, your whole life down the aisle to be wed to the creator of the universe and receive back into the Father's house. And they actually even say this. It's not, it's not, you know, when you, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're professing. Now, notice what they said in 1629. His disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. This is what the Holy Spirit does when the Spirit comes in is he allows the Holy Spirit. God allows you to understand his word, his speech. 30. Now we are sure that's what no means. 
Now we are sure, we understand, we learned, we're comprehending this, that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe, pistio, trust, commit ourselves, that you came forth from God. You're God's provision for the sin nature, the Mashiach, Hebrew, the Messiah, the anointed, because it's always about God's provision. Listen, and that's why sometimes it's the thought, the intent of His Word, because it's about God's provision. God is a great provider. My God will provide for all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Everything is provided for perfectly spiritually. Many people don't have because they don't ask. according to the Spirit of God. But then again, you have to wait too. Sometimes waiting upon the Lord to do the rest of the things going on. We have to be in the fullness of time. Think how long the Old Testament prophets talked about looking forward to angels preparing in heaven for the declaration of the birth of the Son of God. I mean, there was a lot of waiting there. 4,000 years. But with the Lord, that's not a hard thing because a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. We know that all of this came from uh, God in heaven, from the Father, from this plan of salvation. It was all worked out before we were ever created. Verse 8, uh, new beginning. New beginning. Seven was the realization. Seven was the, 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 the coming to know that he's the where you put all your eggs in one basket. Turn your heart toward home. Begin to grow and learn. Eight is... And I, for I have given to them the words which you have given me. Listen to me. You want to be a good ambassador for Christ? You want to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls? Don't change the message. Do what our example did. The Father told him what to do. He came and did it. Perfectly. That's why we can believe and be saved. Now, our endeavoring is to go for the ministry of reconciliation of souls and, and, and give them the word of reconciliation. Go read it. It's in 2 Corinthians 5. We've been, the, the ministry of reconciliation has been given and granted to us. We're privileged to go and give them the word of reconciliation. Not make up new words. Not make up new programs. Not make up new things. But to give them Christ and Christ crucified. So eight, number new beginnings. This is how the new beginning goes. He gave the word that was given by the Father and they have received them isn't that amazing remember john 1 12 where this began at in john 1 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. We've already said this once. He's repeating himself. Here, they did this. They followed that. They received, they have received the words. Have you received God's word? Are you a sheep? Do you hear his voice? John 10, 27. It's, lem, it's lambano, lambano, to get a hold of, to take up. This word is used in another place. Guess where? It's Ephesians 6. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice you don't need any swords. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual sword. It's a, it's a truth that you take up, you receive it, and then it's in your hand, and you have it to wield that power that's in the Word of God inherently. Because you receive the word of God and the truth of God. You take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then what happens, Greg, in your new beginnings? And have known surely that I came forth from you, God's provision for the sin nature, gnoskos. It's truly, most certainly, surely, known surely. And they have believed that you sent me. And that right there is pistio. It's salvation. It's to have faith, to entrust one's spiritual well-being into Christ, to commit or put trust with. And then, of course, pistis is a constancy in that. But notice that you sent me apostello. Now, see, he's, he's going to tell us he sent them the same way. You and I down the corridors of time being sent the same way with the word of reconciliation. And we're supposed to give the word the way that it was written, not make up our own way. I got a new way to save people. You know what? We go out there and we'll bang some rocks together. And when they look and say, what are you doing? We'll tell them Jesus is the rock. That might be creative. Might be a good method. But how about wait for the Holy Spirit and then go do it? How about don't have a form of godliness which denies the power thereof, but just know that your steps are ordained by God, that he's the one who's called you. In the same way he did Jesus and sent him, he sent us. Our steps are ordained. I talked about this Friday night. Listen, when you go to the gas station, you are not just at the gas station like this is just another time i got to fill up my stupid car with gas because these things run out. No, those people that are standing there, God knew you were going to be standing there also with them. He knew it. He always knew it. Never can unlearn it. And we are those ambassadors representing Christ Jesus. Are we yelling at them? Are we treating them terrible? Are we talking crazy to them? Hurry up! I got to get me some gas. Trying to take all of it? Heathens? Or are we looking for ways, being wise as serpent and gentle as doves, to bring people into the kingdom by the word of reconciliation? Because your steps are ordained. Your gifting and your talents, your abilities, everything about it is already written down. The Holy Spirit knows what he's given you. And you can either hide it in the ground and you're going to be judged by what you're hiding. Or you can use it for his glory. 
Well, look at the parable of the talents where he says, you should at least put it in the bank. I could have drawn some interest. And he wasn't saying it like I'm saying it. He was saying it with love because his will, he is love, and his will was that none would perish. But one day he's going to mete out judgment. There's going to be justice. Oh, I, I left out one part. Oh, I should have brought that up. Is that we're here in verse 8 still? Yeah, we're in verse 8 still. Guess what the word is there? It's the word rhema. The same word that was in Ephesians 6, rhema. The sword of the Spirit is the spoken word and specific word. See, logos is the written word. This is Bible here. Jesus is the logos. But the spoken word, he was, they weren't sitting there and him looking in the Bible. He was speaking the word of God to them as they sat there. And they had to come underneath that authority. They had to listen. They knew that he was by the spirit of God, that he had come from God. So they're like, we've been waiting all of our lives for this messenger from God, for this Messiah from God. And now we're just going to pass it up. Oh, I've got this great gift and I'm just going to ignore it and not open it. See, God gives people authority in his kingdom. It's a, it's a grand courtroom that everything is done decently and in order. It's all done according to the written word. But first it was spoken how? The father spoke it to the son, the rhema word of God. He gave it to the son and the son heard it. And then he came down and spoke it to his disciples as he was led by the Holy Spirit. And then his disciples went out and told everything they heard from him. It wasn't written down yet. They could look at the Old Testament to see the foundation and say this was what it said in the Old Testament. This is what was written by the prophet Isaiah. Listen to me. But they spoke it. That's why the devil wants us to shut up. It's the spoken word that pierces the heart of a man when somebody is being a witness in a courtroom and gives them a chance to be the jury and hear the evidence of a living God who died for us so we would not be condemned because we're condemned already. And we're supposed to be speaking up and speaking out loud the rhema word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I think it's amazing. And we're supposed to go out and speak it the way that we hear it. And it's actually authoritative. Listen, look at Hebrews. And I don't like to go to this verse because it's awful. Hebrews 13, 17. It, it, it's, it's a verse that's hard for a pastor to go to. But it's a verse that needs to be informed of. Because of God's order and God's kingdom and God's authority and what God has given you and me. And it's, it's a really simple verse. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now listen to me, because this is what Jesus has been doing over these guys. That's what he's doing over your soul and my soul now, and that's where it gets its origin from. But we have a problem with words like obey, but really it means to rely upon or to assent to the evidence and the authority and agree with it that they're saying, because you still need the Holy Spirit in you. You're not just blindly obeying. That's how we get David Koresh's and Jimmy Jones's. You have a relationship where you're following them as they follow God. 
because they've been given authority and a position and a place and a gift. And, and submit just means yield, submissive, be submissive just means to yield to the authority that is given. But you don't do it outside of the rest of the Bible. But see, Jesus is looking out for the souls. And a pastor who's given a shepherd and made head over with authority is looking out for the souls of those that he's been given. And it says there, let him do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. We don't want to become unprofitable servants. We don't, we don't want to hinder the work of God, the authority of God, the word of God. And, and we actually do that to Jesus. He's done everything perfectly for us, and we hinder it, and we don't obey him. We don't, we don't become submissive underneath him. We don't do it with joy, with the Spirit of God. We do it our own way, and it's just totally unprofitable for you to think that you're saved and not to obey God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. How do they stumble? Peter says they stumble being disobedient to the Word of God. You hear it, and you go off, and you go, I'm going to do what I want to do. Listen, you can't be obedient to it and faithful to it unless the Spirit of God... Is, is teaching you to, but you have to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit that's, that's sitting there fertilizing and watering the seed that's planted in your heart, and it grows fruit. Where was we at? Verse 8. They received it, and they believed it. And they believed that the Father sent him. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, but I don't know about the other people. Because I'm in the days of judges and I'm not coming underneath no authority. Listen, there's no authority except from God. And God gave some to be teachers and some evangelists and some preachers and to, for the equipping of the saints till we all come to the knowledge of the truth, to the unity in the body of Christ. It's for a purpose. We're all here for a purpose. What part of the body are you? That's eight. That's new beginning. And we've been sent the same way Jesus was sent. Remember when he raised from the grave, Matthew 28, 18? All authority has been given. All power has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what? Teach them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. How do they stumble? How do they get tripped up? They're still listening to the original lie, still listening to the voice of the sin and self and Satan. They're still listening to 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. How many people right now are freaking out about a war in Israel? And the battle going on, instead of knowing that the Word of God said that battle was going to go on. The Word of God declares it perfectly. Why should that make us afraid then? Why should we be afraid of what God's already said is going to happen? Why would we be afraid of the things that God has already declared to His friends? 
Why would we be panicked and, and, and run off and afraid and listen to the nightly news to get our orders when we're supposed to listen to the voice of God? Why would we be caught up in this physical when we know that we're not to regard anybody as flesh and blood anymore? We see a spiritual battle going on. We see a spiritual war because we belong to a spiritual kingdom and we're fighting a spiritual battle of just standing in the victory of Christ and not listening to the lies and get it entangled and overcome again by the world. This is a battle, guys. It's not a playground. It's a battleground. You got to get that. I know that sounds cliche. Oh, yeah, I might go to church. I might be in fellowship. I might hang out. I might do. I might. I might. Listen, you are able to do, but you're a free will agent. You don't have to finish this race. You don't have to finish this course, but it's not going to be good at the throne room. If you think that all it took was one prayer and then no fruit, one prayer, no fruit. I didn't finish that earlier, but if you go back in and look at the Old Testament, which is the rock, it's the foundation, everything is there. Talking about putting away a bride. There's a text. I don't know whether it's numbers or Deuteronomy 24, but I think it's one of them. So I, I, I'm not doing good here because I wasn't planning on saying it. But there's a literal text that if a husband is not pleased with his wife, after the betrothal, there was no blood on the sheet because she wasn't the chaste virgin that she was betrothed to him as. Listen, it's serious. The, the parents can bring out the evidence and say, wait a minute, you're a liar. But see, listen, if there's no blood on that white garment to prove that you're a chaste virgin because you've been growing fruit, the Bible says that by law, I'm not under law. The law will not pass away, not one jot or tittle to all things are fulfilled. And if you're not being led by the Spirit, because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God, then there's nothing left but the law and God's judgment if you're not being led by the Spirit. You can only be in one of the two places. You can only be in one of the two kingdoms. There's only two places and two choices. We can either do what Adam and Eve did, or we can do what Jesus did. It's pretty simple stuff. It just is hard to do unless you surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to do it through you. Where was he at? Verse 9. I pray, he's still praying, see, he's still beseeching, he's still asking the Father for them. I pray for them. Listen, he's praying for these disciples, the ones that received and believed, the ones that, that, that realized who he was and are listening. He's praying, I believe, down the corridors of time, even for us. Because he's going to say in verse 17, sanctify them with truth, your word is truth. He's sanctifying us even right now this moment with truth. So we can't just say, oh, this is only for the disciples. Or is it? It's the learners, it's pupils. So if you don't want to learn, then maybe it's not for you. I pray for them. I do not, this is emphatic, ask for the world. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Because he knows, see, he's, he's speaking, it, it, it's done. It's a done deal. His heart's already committed. He knows where he's going. He knows what's going to happen. They were the fathers under judgment, right? 
The father gave them to the son. They believed the son. So now they're betrothed. They're going to be married. And then what is he going to do? He's going to present them back to the father as the kinsman redeemer. They're back into the family. So it, it all goes around and, and comes back to the same place because that's the plan of God. But notice he does not pray for the world. Wouldn't it be crazy? Now, listen, that's why he tells us to pray in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Listen, to pray in the Spirit, pray led by the Spirit. Because sometimes we pray and it's amiss because we're praying things that have nothing to do with the Spirit. We're praying things that have nothing to do with the will of God. Praying things that have nothing to do with the name of God. But listen to what he's doing. Wouldn't it be crazy if Jesus said, I'm praying for the world? Wouldn't that be crazy? He already knows everything. He already knows the names in the Lamb's Book of Life. He already knows they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear. They're never going to come to repentance. He already knows that. Why would he pray for something he fully knows is not going to happen? It's nonsense. It's the same way that you and I are saved. It's by foreknowledge. He already knows everything. Because of his foreknowledge, he knows which one said yes. He knows which one received the voice and the spirit and the word of God and believed. He knows which ones are walking with him and the spirit is leading him. He knows which ones are claiming his name. And he says, the Lord knows all that are his. And, and uh, oh, oh, Peter For the Lord knows those are his, and the truth of God remains, and let everyone who claims the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's we're leaving. We're leaving the world. We're coming out of the world. We're stopping living in the flesh. I quoted that verse wrong, but it had the general content in it. Depart from iniquity. So he's not praying for the world. Listen, people pray for the world all the time. There's a war going on in Ukraine and in Russia. Well, I pray for the innocent people. I pray for those that, that, that are gods, that they wouldn't die. Why? Because that's the will of God. He's going to bring them to salvation. Nobody's dying on this planet that belongs to Christ. Because he's keeping them perfectly. And when they're absent from the body, they're going to be present with the Lord. Perfectly. God's faithful. He can keep what has been given to him. Have you given him anything? Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Are you laying your life down and giving it to him? He'll keep you. But if it's still your life, then maybe you haven't been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. If it's still your plan and your way and you're walking and doing what you your will wants to do, maybe you haven't come. Maybe you haven't received. Maybe you don't believe that he's enough to take care of the sin nature. He's not praying for the world. Careful what you're praying for. You know, I mean, somebody gets sick and we automatically pray, heal them, Lord. Well, maybe that's not God's will. Or maybe his further will is, is that they be perfectly healed and they go to heaven. See, God's on the planet saving souls. And all those other things become things that cause us to surrender and realize we can't deal with this. 
We can't do this on our own. This, this is too big of a life to try to live on your own. I, I, I say it all the time. I don't know how people get by. I don't know how I got by, but I didn't get by, did I? I was rolling in death. I was wallowing in the miry clay. I was headed to hell. I wasn't getting by. I was doing whatever it took to get by. But now you can have rest. Now you can have peace. Now you can have joy even in the midst of the chaos. If you learn what God is doing and you hear his voice and you see perfectly that the Ezekiel 38 war is coming to place. Everybody's falling into place. It's not out of order. God's drawing them all into the Middle East, put a hook in their mouth and making them do his will because he's using them to show his mighty power on the earth the same way he did with Pharaoh. Pharaoh couldn't stop God. Nobody can stop God from saving those that are his. And nobody can stop God from fulfilling your ministry if you surrender to him. Now listen, be careful. We don't perfectly know. But if God tells you to stop praying for somebody, stop praying for them. But don't do it out of unforgiveness. Don't do it out of bitterness. Don't do it out of anger and hate like the world has. But be led by the Holy Spirit always. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Oh man, I forgot to pray for the world. The world's going to burn. He's talking about the people, the inhabitants of the world that will not listen. Why would he pray for people that aren't going to hear his word, that aren't going to surrender to his plan, that aren't going to receive him and believe in him? Verse 10. And all are, excuse me, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine. The oneness in the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I am glorified in them. And he's just asked in the first, uh, glorify me with the glory that I had before. He's glorified. He's honored by his. If you're his, you're going to glorify him. You're going to honor him. You're going to make manifest who he is and lift him up. You're going to magnify Think about that for a minute. You're going to magnify the ministry of Christ. What happens with a magnifying glass? You make him bigger. I must decrease, but he must increase. So you want to magnify him. And I come to you, Holy Father, Hagios. I can't even see this anymore with glasses because I wrote all over it. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name, I think I jumped something, didn't I? Verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. Same word for world, but referring to different. We're in the world. We're in this, on this planet of earth with our earthly bodies. And I come to you, Holy Father. He's going to be coming to him. And then he says, keep through your name, character, nature, and authority, and will, those whom you have given me, the church, the bride, that they may be one as we are. And so he wants to see that unity 
I mean, that's, uh, there's always a call for unity. There's unity in the body of Christ. We're all putting on the same mind. We're all led by the same spirit. We're all children of the same house. We're all supposed to be doing the same ministry, reconciliation of souls, through the word of reconciliation. That makes unity. If we're all focused in the same place to do the same thing, to be dead to self and alive to Christ and lift him up and do his plan by the power of the Holy Spirit, then that, that brings unity instantly. It doesn't bring arguments in the middle of board meetings or arguments in, I don't like what they're down there, I'm just going to another place. See, that's why there's so much division. That's why somebody would ask, why is there so much division? Because we're not doing the will of God. We're doing our own little fleshly kingdoms. And he wants us to be one. And to be one, we must surrender. 12. While I was with them, Jesus still speaking, yours are probably in red, mine are not in this one. While I was with them in the world, speaking because he knows he's leaving, I kept them, I protected them, I guarded them from harm. Now this word, I kept them, is a different word actually than the other ones. It's kept and keep is about six times, I think. And this one here is a different one. It means to watch, to be on guard, uh, to preserve them and to keep them. It's a, it's a different word. In your name, he kept them. Why? Because he was sent in the name of God, according to his character, nature, will, his plan, his authority. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them was, or excuse me, none of them is lost except the son of perdition, why was he? That the scripture might be fulfilled. So Jesus is saying, while I was with them, I kept them. But I'm coming to you, so I need you to keep them. How's he going to do it? He's going to send the Holy Spirit back to keep us, to preserve us, to protect us, to guide us, to teach us all things that he said to us so that we will know what the Word of God is. We'll know that when we test spirits, whether it lines up with the character, the nature, the will, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's keeping them. And he says that none... You're like, man, I am so worried whether they're going to get... Listen, none are lost except for the son of perdition. Now, there's lots of people in the world that are going to follow the same thing as the son of perdition did. But he was given to Christ. Christ went up on the hill and he prayed and the Father gave him 12 disciples. He gave them their names. He knew who they were. In Psalms, what is it, 48... One, find a note. Give me a note. Can't find it. I got it somewhere here. Psalms 41.9. I was really close. It was in this book of Psalms. Um, 41.9. <laughs> uh, my own familiar friend who has eaten bread with me has lifted up his heel against me, which is the scripture speaking of him lifting up his heel and it actually is even tied to uh, the 315 of Genesis, where he will uh, bruise his heel, but he will crush his head, his power. So here's it, following the devil. The devil uses the son of perdition. Judas Iscariot, we've seen in 13, in the upper room, went out and it was dark. He lifted up his heel against the power of God, against the word of God, and tried to betray God. But it was really fulfilling the plan of God 
to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? And there's another one. And you can go read this. This is your homework. I know a lot of you like homework. Go read Psalms 109 and 110. It is glorious, just like this John 17. But 109.8 is the verse that's quoted by the disciples when they replace the office of Judas. Let another take his place. So it was prophesied that they would have to have someone take his office, take his ordination, take his place in the original 12. And of course, they chose Matthias, but I believe Paul Saul of Tarsus was the one that God chose. He was uh, uh, one born out of due time. I got to get that to stop falling. So now that brings us, none were lost except for the son of perdition. None. Perdition, of course, meaning... um, Son is kinship, and perdition is ruin or loss. But listen, it's not just ruin or loss. It is physical, spiritual, and eternal ruin or loss. That's the three deaths. Just like there's three heavens, there's a, there's a, there's a physical death when, you're, when your heart stops beating. There's a spiritual death when you no longer can believe in Jesus because you've hardened your heart. And then there's an eternal death. If you physically die and you didn't believe in Jesus, you're going to be cast into hell eternally. That's three deaths. The saying is, is if you're born once, you die twice. If you're just born physically, you're going to die a, 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 a spiritual and eternal death. If you're born twice, once in water, once in the blood of Jesus, because there's blood on your garment, then you're only going to die a physical death and then you're going to be in the presence of God for eternity, never to leave again. Born twice, you die once. So that the scripture, the graphe, a written document, a holy writ might be furnished, satisfied, executed, perfected because everything that Jesus done is going to be perfected. Not one jot or tittle will pass away. We got to keep moving here. 13. Now, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Of course, joy is a fruit of the spirit. And, and the acrostic you always know is Jesus, others, yourself. Listen, you're not going to have joy putting self first. And see, that's what's being taught in the world. You first. Take care of you first. Every program that you see that deals with alcoholism or anything is always going to declare to you, stop it. Put you first. You got to get right first. Listen, if you just receive and believe, you're right. And then how do you get sanctified and cleansed? How do you get, how do you get reconciled? You give yourself away. You begin to follow what the Word of God says. You give yourself away to others and quit worrying because now if you truly believe and believe that He's from the Father and believe that He is the the propitiation for your sins and believe that He is who He is, you're done. 
Positionally, you're finished. Practically, you're going to walk it out. How do I do that? I start doing the works of the ministry of reconciliation of souls by giving myself away to others. And that proves that you're allowing the Holy Spirit. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is active and working in you and can begin to die to self because self wants to be on the throne. Self wants to be taken care of. Self wants to be the most important. Self. And the only good self is a dead self. Because self is our problem. We don't need more self-esteem. We already think that we're the greatest. We already think that everybody's thinking about us. Listen, I'm just telling you the truth. We already think, and, 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 and you know what? People are being destroyed by this false self of the internet. This false self and no rules and no lawlessness, and I get to do what I want. This is the self that's being destroyed and confirmed. But when you meet truth, you stop believing the original lie and you lay your life down as Christ did. That's true salvation. Listen, if nobody dies, you're not going to heaven. If you don't die, it's proof that you're a son of perdition. You're going to die a spiritual, physical, and eternal death. Because Paul says over in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, we thus conclude that if one died, all died. And that no one lives for themselves anymore. But they live for him who died for us. Therefore, we regard no one as flesh and blood anymore. Listen, the outward man has to be perishing so the inward man can be renewed day by day. That's what's going on in the spiritual realm. The inward man is the spiritual. The outward man has to die to self, has to stop worrying about self. What do we do as Christians? We go join a gym and we want to live forever because we're scared to death of death. Why? Jesus defeated death. Why should we be afraid to be in our eternal home forever? Because we don't know. We're not growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. But we run around scared of our own shadows. Because we're listening to the voice of Babylon, to the voice of the world, to the, to the talking heads that are lying and repeating lies, deceiving and being deceived. Instead of listening to the voice of God and going forth with authority because he sent us just like the Father sent him. According to his character, his nature, his will, his authority to reconcile souls. That's the ministry we've been given. I'm trying to be as succinct as possible. I'm sorry if it feels like I'm yelling. I'm not yelling at you. And you can have joy, which is joy. Listen, joy is not what they define it as. It's not walking around with a big smile on your face all the time. Some things just simply are not joyful like that. It's calm delight, it's rest, it's peace. It's the joy of knowing the truth because the Spirit of God rests in you. Think about people that are being burnt to death. They have the joy of God because they're resting. They know where they're going. But it doesn't mean they're smiling about it. 
because it can be joyful but painful at the same time. Nevertheless, it will produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, Paul tells us over in Hebrews 12, when we're following the author and the finisher of our faith. 14. I have given them your word. Notice how many times he says that. Notice what he's doing. Notice what it's about. It's about the word of God. What the Father gave the Son to tell us and what the Son gives us to tell them. That's the word of reconciliation. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Listen, if you still think you can live for Jesus and be a part of this world, you are deceived. You're overcome, you're entangled, you're estranged from Christ, and you've been bewitched, Paul would say. You cannot love God and mammon. They're going in the opposite directions, and there's only two directions, heaven and hell. And the world is underneath the sway of the wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. We have to make a choice whether we're going to believe God's word and receive God's Messiah and God's plan where the Holy Spirit will lead us down this aisle, walking this white path. Light is white. White, that's what it means is white down this path it's light on my feet to say wait a minute you're standing in mud confess your sin and then it's a path that you keep walking until you get to the wedding supper of the lamb and the veil completely removed and we'll see him and he'll be we'll be just like him and then the marriage can be consummated never to leave his presence ever again oh i'm gonna pop I hadn't said that yet, so I thought I'd say it. So the world hated. Because of who he was. They hated him, they'll hate me. People don't understand that. Oh, I'm not ready for Jesus. I'm not ready to be a Jesus freak. I'm not ready. I, I, I believe in the good old boy upstairs. No, you hate him. The Bible tells you that you hate him. You don't recognize it, but you hate him. They cut John the Baptist's head off because they hated him. Because he shined light in their darkness. And he, and, and he was different. His morality was different. They killed Jesus because they hated him. They would not have known that they were sinners unless he came. We already got that. Well, 14, 15, 12, one of the chapters. It's pretty insane. You know, if you, if, you, uh, if you like recycling or cleaning up the planet or green energy, then the world will love you. If you get in line with what they're doing to force people to do what they're doing. See, there's no force with God, but they want to force. And I'm not telling you that recycling's bad or clean up the planet's bad or, or, or even green energy. But what God is doing is reconciliation. He's cleaning up the spirit and the soul. And he wants to talk about the power, the energy of the Holy Spirit. Not about all these physical things. 
The earth is wearing out like a garment. It's going to be burned up with fire. It's going to be made new. I'm not telling you you don't have to pick up the plastic bottles. I'm not telling you not to do that. But if that's your mainstay and your message and what you want to do in life instead of worry about souls that are going to go to hell, if, if adopting dogs are more important than adopting babies, we abort the babies and adopt dogs. What in the world is going on on this planet that hates God? And Christians are involved in it. And I'm not trying to shame anybody, but we got to wake up to the will of God and the work of God and understand that they hate God and you can't fit in with them. But you can be light to them. And you can decline to do what they're doing. It's a sad apostate church even though there's still a remnant and God wants to wake us up he wants us to raise from the dead and he'll give us light but then we're supposed to see that we walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time for the days are evil and listen the world hates us. You might be pacified by them, but they hate you. They might allow you to be where you're at. You know, the Bible is clear that in uh, uh, um, Proverbs 16, 7, that when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But that doesn't mean they like you. It means that God doesn't allow them to do anything to you the same way he wouldn't let Jacob be punished or anything done to him by Laban. He came to Laban in a dream and said, don't touch him, he's mine. God keeps us, he protects us. He doesn't allow our enemies to do anything to us that's not for our perfecting. It's not for our help. So then it doesn't become the enemy. It becomes God's scalpel changing and molding you. And that's our next verse, right? Where are we at? 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Why not? But that you should keep them from the evil or from the evil one. Listen, God is not trying to take us out of the world. He, he wasn't trying to take them out. We're supposed to be the messengers. We're supposed to be the living exhibits and trophies of grace that are bearing evidence and fruit of, of salvation so that people can come to salvation, so that people can grow in the grace and the knowledge and be like us. So he doesn't want to take us out, but he keeps us from the influence of evil. And if you'll receive it, if you can receive it, it's Proverbs 123. Ooh, where else my note? Well, turn to Proverbs 123, because I lost my note. How do you lose notes like that? Oh, but whoever listens to me, wisdom, which wisdom, Christ is the wisdom of God, will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Proverbs one twenty three. He keeps us from evil. He's protecting us from evil. He doesn't want us to be taken out of the world. He wants us to be good witnesses to the world. Is that, is that Proverbs 133? 133. 
at the end of the first chapter, last verse, Proverbs 33. It's not? Oh, did I say 23? Oh, well, that would be confusing. But whoever listens, are you listening to the voice of God? My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Whoever listens, are you listening to the wisdom of God? It's Christ. Will dwell safely. You're going to live safely. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. And will be secure without fear of evil. You don't have to fear evil. Listen, it's a very simple promise that God says if you listen to His wisdom, if you listen to what He's saying, if you're led by the Holy Spirit... doesn't mean that he doesn't allow the enemy to influence your life, but he's using it. He gave him boundaries. We see it in the life of Job. Boundaries were given to the devil about what he could and couldn't do, but it was a tool of witnessing that God was doing with Job to bring him to a place of blessing. He was given tenfold more than he had in the first place. So, Christ is not, I mean, because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I always try that, too. I'm like, Lord, just take me home. This way it's going to be. Just take me home. Take me out of this world. Now, you got to go through it. Through the valley of the shadow of death. And the process is all the way through the Bible is going through it. Learning the lessons from it. Let it produce peaceable fruits of righteousness. And ask God for wisdom in it. What am I supposed to learn about it? I was talking with Michael about it yesterday or thinking more about it and then just spoke a little bit about it. But my wife went to be with the Lord. My dog died. Then my pleco died in my pond. And you're like, what is he talking about now? No, listen, everything, not a hair on your head, not a bird or a sparrow falls to the ground. God is sovereign over everything. And he's always saying something and doing something and moving you somewhere in everything. And that's the whole point. What's God doing in my life? What's he doing in your life? Do you even care? Are you just going to keep doing what you've always done and living for self? Because that's what most people are doing. Even in the church, all they're doing is they listen to a preacher speak and they go, oh, that was pretty good. And they go right back to work, right back to their careers, right back to life as normal. And they say, That's, this is not Sunday. Out here, we got to knock heads around and we got to get this stuff done. And they don't recognize that they've been called out to be a witness. They're laying up treasures in heaven. Everything that you're doing now is spiritual. And we don't regard this flesh and blood as anything except for a battleground for souls where we're ministering with the word of reconciliation we're telling people the truth we're walking the truth out in front of them we're pointing them to truth we're praying that they would receive truth we're trying to get people to live for jesus because that's his will and all that we're doing now because we're bought by the precious blood of jesus is the will of god anything else is sin Because if it's not done by faith, it's sin. So he doesn't want to take us out of the world. He wants us to stay here and be good witnesses. There are those he will take out. 16. They are not of the world. Listen, are you of the world? They are not of the world. Verse 16, 17, 16. They are not of the world. What are you of? 
Think about it, really. Can we answer this question that I am not of this world? Nothing in this world is drawing me. I'm trying to live for Jesus and do what he said. I'm not of the world. Listen, this is a positional statement. If you believe in Jesus, you're no longer of this world. So if it's uncomfortable when you're doing things in the world, that's because you no longer, your heart is no longer tied down here. Many believers are still in the world, taken captive, overcome by it. But he just said a positional statement. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What comes after that? 1717. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Remember the word. I've given it to them. They started believing it. Sanctification is what Christ did. Verse 19 says that. He sanctified himself so that we could be sanctified. He set himself apart to do the will of God so that we would know. He set himself apart to be a minister of the word of reconciliation when he came and became a, a babe and lived 30 years and obeyed and then had an itinerant preaching ministry for three years. And see, we're supposed to follow that pattern. And to be sanctified means to be consecrated or washed or purified. Well, well, when you think about it in the Old Testament, you've heard me say this if you've been here for any time. In the Old Testament, there was a temple. We are now the temple of God, if the Spirit of God dwells in us. There was a temple. And in the temple, everything in the temple, since it belonged to God, it was built for God. Everything in the temple was covered with gold, which is deity. Or silver, which is redemption. Or brass, bronze, which is judgment. Everything in it was covered with something of that nature. But it was all used and set apart for the ministry in the temple. And the same thing happens with you and I. If we're sanctified, consecrated, we're being set apart for God to do the work by the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're supposed to be doing is allowing yourself to be sanctified. Well, how do you do it? Through the word. Well, how does that work? When you learn the truth, you don't believe the lie that the devil keeps speaking over the knowledge. Because what is it? The knowledge of good and evil? We already know who God is. He's none good but God. So he wants to keep us and sanctify us and bring us away from that evil. Because we still believe the lie about evil. We're still believing the lie. And the only way to set you apart from the lie is to learn truth, to grow in truth, to know truth. And that's eternal life. That they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom they sent. So are you being sanctified? Are you in the word, prayer, and fellowship? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to teach you? He's the only one that can teach you. Your word is truth, and the enemy fights with lies. The enemy fights with lies. Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians real quick. This is today's reading, by the way, chapter 4. If you're reading through the Bible with us, this is today's reading. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm just going to read him one. He's speaking to a church. He was only there two weeks, and he's writing them a letter. And it's pretty amazing, the, the meat that he gives them. Finally then, brethren, 
and cistern, we urge and exhort, encourage in the Lord Jesus that you should abound, you should be growing more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk, that's how you're living, and to please God by faith, because without faith it's impossible to please God, for you first believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For you know what commandments we give you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to where it's all coming from. Where did Jesus get it? From the Father. And Paul and them were going and building churches, planting churches, and giving them the word of reconciliation. For this is the will of God. Do you want to know what the will of God is? Your sanctification. Listen, are you struggling with the will of God? Are you fighting with the will of God? Are you quenching the spirit of promise? Because God's trying to sanctify you. Positionally, you're sanctified. You're set apart if you believe and you have the Spirit. Practically, this is the will of God, your sanctification. It's a personal thing that you should abstain from sexual immorality, physically and spiritually. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. Remember the vessels in the temple covered with gold? You're a vessel in the kingdom of God. Your heart is the temple of God. Do you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification? These are things we're supposed to know. That's the word echo, by the way. Possession. If you know how to possess your soul, you'll be echoing the word of reconciliation. It's the same word for for when a demon possesses something. It echoes what the demon is saying. Possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Wow, I'm just reading over this. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brethren in this matter. In other words, you're supposed to be a good witness to one another because the Lord is the avenger of all such, better than a millstone be tied around your neck and cast in the ocean than to cause one of these little ones to stumble as we also forewarned you and testified for oh that was verse six by the way did you guys see that look let's read it again four six of first thessalonians that no one should take advantage and defraud his brethren in this matter because the lord is the avenger of such as we also forewarned and testified. They gave witness. Don't live in the flesh. Don't be a natural man. Seven, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. That's our word for sanctification again, too. It's the same word. It means sanctification. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us the Holy Spirit. That's seven. That's how he's completing this. Where is eight? That was the new beginning. Therefore, he who rejects, that would be your new beginning. If you didn't want to be involved in your own sanctification, you would be rejecting God. Ooh, that's all I wanted to say about that. That's a powerful verse. It's our reading today. I, sp I would encourage you to spend some time dwelling in it. 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That's his final word on it. 
I gave them an example. I walked it out in front of them. And I sent them the same way that you sent me, Father. The same way you sent me, Father, I sent them. With your message, with your word of reconciliation, uh, I set them apart, and they're one sent forth. You know, you see that with uh, the book of Acts. You see that the Holy Spirit said, uh, separate to me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them. And then he sends them out. The Holy Spirit does. You know, we were sent out by a church in Lafayette, but it wasn't the church in Lafayette that sent us out. It was the Holy Spirit that sent us out. People are involved in sending out. You know, a lot of times they lay hands on people and pray for them and send them out. You know what you can do by that? You give them germs. But you lay on holy hands and you're agreeing with what they're going to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth of the matter. And then in 19, he says, and for their sakes, see, it wasn't for him. You can't change him. It was for our sakes. Jesus sanctified himself. He set himself apart that they also may be sanctified by the truth. He came and declared truth so that you and I could be set apart with truth. And then we do the same thing. We follow his pattern. We go to others with truth so that they can be sanctified like we're being sanctified. It all works together as you just grow in the vine. You're going to grow fruit. And then that fruit is going to, you're going to be able to use for people to see it. And then they'll be sanctified. They'll go, I want some fruit like that. Is that the kingdom of God? Is that really what salvation looks like? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we could see your son on the pages praying to you so that we would know how to pray. Being sanctified by you and finishing his course so that we would know how to be sanctified and finish our course. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us for specific reasons and given us gifts and talents and abilities. Lord, we pray that we would use them for your glory. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, help us to use that word of reconciliation as we are ambassadors, as if Christ was pleading through us. We implore you, be reconciled to God. Make the exchange. Balance the books. Find out your identity and be reconciled to God completely. Be sanctified body, soul, and spirit. Father, pour out your spirit upon us. Help us not to reject authority, but to surrender to your word and to your great salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.